have a beautiful thing. Sometimes we have breakfast and it's like this. We just, we have topics and it's incredible to love. And we want to invite the newcomers so they can feel the love and the joy that they're no different than us. You know, that they have done nothing that makes them excluded from this love. You know, oh man, just, just the opportunity to be a part of someone's life where you can make a difference, you know, and just let your higher power use you to just love someone. You ain't even got to like them, but you got to love them. You <laughs> yes, gotta yes. Love them. <laughs> I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. We say, Sam. How you doing, Donnie? I'm doing well. I had a realization working with a sponsee about step three recently. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Yes. I struggled with the words, God as we understood him. First, there was the gender part, him. But let's put that aside for now. I thought I had to understand God, but I don't think that's the point. I think Bill's asking, am I willing to turn my will and my life over to God as I now understand him to whatever conception I currently have of a power greater than myself? You know, it's it's just, I need help. Am I willing to ask for it? You know, I get you on that. And I got a slightly different take on it because it was really important to me that God, as you understand him, is a part of all of this because mm-hmm. I didn't know what God was and I had no ability to be define that. Today, I don't even try. But what it meant to me was, as I understand, means that I don't have to have God as you understand him. Right. Very important. I don't have to have your conception. But Some people, and I have my sponsee was tangled up on, well, this means I have to understand. And Mm, I, okay. And, you know, I need to explain this. And it's unexplainable. You know, it's bigger (laughs) than the world. (laughs) So it's like simple, like, say, my life is a car. So, step one, I can't drive without crashing the thing. Step two, Clearly, there's someone else who can. And step three, I think I'll let them drive the car. Oh, man. You know, I can't. He can. I'll let him is Mm -hmm. the shorthand that I've heard over many, many, many years. Yes. Um, And of course, the gender conversation is is a really important part of all that now. So I'll let he, she, they, it do it. Yes. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be a a real big deal. But... uh, it's easy to say having done it. <laughs> I mean, it was a struggle for me and, and the guy I'm working for, it's, it's, it's hard to let go to something I don't understand. But it's really kind of cool once you get the experience under your belt that it just kind of works. It works. And that's what's led to me that I don't need to understand it. Yep. I've got the experience now. I know it works. <laughs> What's up today? Well, Don, today we talk with Graylin C., who got sober in White Plains, New York, and he beautifully expresses his journey of letting a higher power change his life. I was charged up after talking with Graylin. Me too. This is a good one. 
Hello, my name is Graylin, and I'm definitely an alcoholic. That's good. <laughs> Where are you from, Graylin? Where was I raised? I was raised in Mount Vernon, New York. I'm from Peekskill, New York, as of today. And when did you get sober? I got sober December 19th, 1995, in White Plains, New York. What was going on inside of you the last Ooh. time that you quit drinking and said, I got to go to AA? You know what? I got a surprise for you guys. I, that wasn't, it didn't come from me. I was just running. I was running. My life was horrible. People were after me, you know, so I ended up in a homeless shelter and I was like, wow, this is what I've done with my life. And I'm sitting in this homeless shelter and five minutes into sitting there, it's like this voice ring out. It's like God himself spoke out van leaving for AA in five minutes. And that's how my journey started. Interesting. Yeah. So in that moment, you were you you had this this willingness show up oh. to to Ooh. go and get in that van. Oh, I just got chills when when that voice rang out. I knew it was my last chance. I knew it was my last shot. Did you know anything about AA at that time? No, I've heard of it. No, I mean, I went to places where I was trying to stop because I was forced. I was in trouble, you know. And I'd be in there like clueless and, oh, my God, I had no clue that I was an alcoholic or, you know, I thought I had the power to stop and start when I wanted to. Like, I had no clue until I hit that bottom. Yeah, I remember for me, it you know, for so long, it was a solution. It felt like right. this is the only thing that makes life tolerable. Well, yeah, in the beginning, of course, it took away the fear and it was the liquid courage and all that. But in the end, it was like a two headed snake. The first part of the snake was like, oh, yeah, come on, you know, I'm your friend. I'll give you power. But the other head of the snake was, oh, sucking the life out of me. Ooh, horrible. Yeah, it's a trap. Oh, man. Drinking was a trap. And at the very end for me, I felt like it was the one thing that was holding me together. And now mm. I'm going to give this up. Right. Now what? Right. What do I do now? Yes. <laughs> you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Like the yeah. jumping off point they talk about, right? Yeah, <laughs> it really seems... does feel like that. So oh what was your experience going to AA? Oh, I got chills. Oh, I have to calm myself down. Okay. I've, I came from a lifestyle of hanging out on the streets and police sirens and gunshots and all that kind of, you know, a lot of noise. So for me, when I came to my first AA meeting, it kind of freaked me out. You know why? Because it was so quiet. Uh, quietness scared me in the beginning. So when I went to my first AA meeting, I was accepted. The people were nice. When they said, come on in, welcome. I was looking behind me like, you're talking to me? Do you all know who you're talking to? I'm accepted here. The love I received in that meeting, I'll never, ever forget it. And that's what made me want to come back. Yeah. That's a fantastic statement. I mean, talk about making it attractive. Did you feel like, okay, I'm being welcome here, but then you find out what AA is, read the steps on the wall. Was there anything that you were like going, oh, I don't want to do this? No, wait, wait, let me tell you about the welcome part, right? AA gradually got me, you know, because I was going to all different other kind of meetings. But the thing about it, I think I was such a severe case when I came in. People looked at me like, oh, my God, you know, we got to help this guy. You know, he's he's still on fire. We got to. So <laughs> for me, 
when I made my second meeting, oh my God, they, they were like, he's back. Oh my God, like help him, feed him, love him, you know, and, and that has never stopped. So you were so welcomed that you're willing to do anything that yes. AA asked you to any, do? Anything. And there was, was there any resistance with any of it at all? Oh, of course. Yeah. And listen. So where was that? Because, you know, new people come into AA and they're going, I'm not doing this. Well, I didn't say I wasn't doing anything, but like I just came to Alcoholics Anonymous to learn how to not pick up a drink. That's all I wanted. You know, when I came in, like, I know alcohol is killing me and blah, 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 blah. So they said, yeah, okay, keep coming, keep coming. Got a sponsor 30 days. I didn't know how to ask to get a sponsor. Like for me, getting a sponsor was like asking a man to dance, you know, no offense to nobody. You know what I'm saying? But so at 30 days, the group I was in, they was like, you got to have a sponsor, this and that. You got to have a home group. And I was like feeling the pressure. Then my two running buddies at the time, you know, they went behind my back and they got sponsors. So I'm like, oh, no way. I got to get a sponsor. So I jumped up in the middle of the meeting. I'm like, my name is Grayland. I got 30 days and I need a sponsor. That's how I got my first sponsor. And I've Dude, never that is been sponsorless. Awesome. Yes. Because I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have the courage to go up to another individual and say, would you sponsor me? Which is well, so humbling. You know, It is. It's humbling. Oh, it's, I mean, it, it really is akin to asking somebody out on a date. I mean, that's what it feels like. Yes. Yes. I never looked <laughs> yeah. at it like that. Yes. <laughs> but back to your question, was there anything I, that I was resistant about? It was like, okay, so they said, go through the steps. And I got sponsored one, two and three. I'm going through the steps. Then I was in meetings and I was taught that if you're not on the step, you can't speak on the step because by the time I got 90 days, I was shouting this from the mountaintops. I was like long winded. So my sponsors told me you can't talk if you're not on the step. So it was motivation for me to help, you know, to help me complete the step. But then my sponsor said, okay, write a fourth step. Then the breaks kind of like, you know, I was like, whoa, this is heavy now. Like I get emotional when I tell this, but I was in so many meetings where I heard people's experience on their fourth step, and I was seeing living examples in front of me, the result of them doing the fourth step, and I wanted that. And the only way to get what they had was to write a thorough moral inventory, not to leave nothing out. They told me, whatever you leave out can cause you to drink. And I didn't want to drink again, so I procrastinated. I was still living in the homeless shelter when I wrote my fourth step, but I was making meetings and it was obvious that I wasn't drinking and drugging. So they let me go in certain areas of the shelter and write this step. Then let me just say, step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Yes. So, you know, I wanted to get this thing done. Right. So I wrote it to the best of my ability. I gave it to my sponsor and he gave it back to me. And he's like, you're not done. Then I slowed myself down. I took a deep breath. And I had left out like a 10 year relationship. You know, how do you forget? 10 how years? did he know that? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to guess that's some sponsor foo there where, you know, they just, <laughs> you just say, you give it back. Automatically, you give it back. You left something out. Is that like Kung Fu or what kind of food? <laughs> like Kung Fu, it's sponsor yeah. food. Yeah. 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 It, it's kind of like asking a child, is there something you want to tell me? Right. <laughs> How long did you take writing that fourth step? Did you sit down and start and just do it in one sitting? Oh, no, no, no. Two weeks or I say probably about three weeks, but not in one time. Yeah, (laughs) I was told to write during the day because I wasn't working at the time. I was unemployable. 
you know, I had my day programs and stuff. So I had certain periods of the day. He told me to write before meeting, not after meeting, pray before mm-hmm. I write. He said, um, when you write, when that pen gets hot, put it down, close it. Don't reread it. You know, he instructed me well. Oh, that is beautiful. One of the things that I did was I would, would write on my fourth step before a meeting. Nobody yes. told me to do this, but I knew that this well, thing was going to dredge up some dark stuff. Right, right. And I needed to go somewhere that was good and healthy for me after working yes. on it. Yes, exactly. And I didn't know that. I just followed his instructions. I was very obedient. I did whatever. I was beaten. You know what I'm saying? I was done. Mm-hmm. Whatever y'all want me to do. If this is the admission to a new way of living, I'm all in. So that's what I did. And I still do it. You know, Grayland, there are several things about you talking about this fourth step, which just like totally got me like jacked up. These are awesome <laughs> that you got a sponsor and you did it. That's yes. one thing. But even before starting your fourth step, you heard people, you saw people in the rooms yes. talking about their four steps and having done them and, and saw these wonderful changes. I, you didn't say anything about some of the negative stuff that I hear. Cause I hear people complain, Oh, you're on your fourth step. That's going to be tough no. and things like that. And it's like, people made it attractive they to you did. to do it. You know what they used to, Oh, I got so many chills in me right now. You know what they used to do? Cause you know, I was taught, share whatever you're going through, talk about where you are. When I, so I let everyone know, you know, I'm right. My fourth. So every meeting I would go to, everybody would just start waving pens and pencils. They wouldn't even speak. They just say, hi, Grayland. They would wave. It was so inspirational. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Yeah. Because really. they knew you were on your fourth step. Yes. That Such support fantastic. and love. Oh, my God. What a yeah. group. I'm telling you, I got yeah, tears Yeah, I want to visit right this now. group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still exi- in existence. I, I, I say they were living angels because these were people who really lived this program. The people that helped me. Nobody ever, ever pointed their finger at me and told me what I had to do. It was always like, well, go so this I way. I want to go through the steps with you. And this sure. is incredible. So sure. then so then you did step five, which is to share your oh inventory with your sponsor. Oh, yeah. And it sounds yeah. like he was involved. And this is the case for me. The, my sponsor was part of my fourth step and mm-hmm. my fifth step all at the same time. I mean. I couldn't understand a lot of my fourth step until I talked to my sponsor. Oh, I want to tell you something, you guys, something. I, when it was time for me to do my fifth, I was so anxious, right? I was like, we went to this diner and I'm like, we're going in a diner with all these people. Somebody might hear this. So then he hands it back to me and says, read it. I'm like, are you kidding? So I didn't say that to him, you know? So I'm, I'm like, I'm like speaking like Mickey Mouse. My voice is so high pitched. I'm trying to fly <laughs> through this thing, right? I'm like, nah, 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 nah. he's like, stop, you know? And like midway through, we kind of like calmed down and stuff. You know, I got calm. He was saying me too. And he started identifying with the behavior and stuff. And, you know, and, and we got through it. And I was so proud of myself that I went through with it. And I was so grateful to him that he took time you know, to, to sponsor me. And he's thinking like, he didn't do anything. He's like, cause I truly believe now. Cause I noticed, cause I've been around for a while. Um, his sponsor was really helping him, you know, to help with this process, you know, That's because I, works, I was an extreme case, you know, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and they, and they seen, I was coming to meetings. They seen, I was really drinking the Kool-Aid as they say, you know, they seen that I was all in. So I guess he didn't want to mess it up. And a funny thing happened, you know, after we kind of went through the fifth step, 
he was into his music career because they always used to tell us sponsors have lives too. Don't solely depend on your sponsor. I was raised so well in AA. And so what that meant to me was that if your sponsor is not available, you continue with your program. You go to other alcoholics, ask for help and stuff. So my sponsor, right after I did my fifth step, he was into his music career and I wasn't mad at him. I still loved him. I love him today. So what I did, I got his sponsor. And I didn't even know what I was doing then. But when I got his sponsor, his sponsor already knew about me. You know, he didn't make me redo the fourth step because he already knew about me. And we continued with the process. And then when he moved away, I got his sponsor who knew about me. Yeah, one person is not the program. It's easy Mm, to depend on a sponsor and think that I can't Mm. do it without this person. Kind of makes sponsor a higher power, but it it kind of feels like it's natural to do that. AA is bigger than one person. Well, there's another person, but there's also the trusted friends that we make in these rooms. I've got people who, you know, I'll sit and have coffee with a friend and it might as well be a sponsor session, you know? Yes. I mean, the, the the things that we're talking about, we're, we're not in a sponsor-sponsee relationship, but the conversation that we have is very sponsorial. That's just the nature of the friendships that I have yes. with some of these people in these rooms. Yes. Let's go to six and seven. So then oh, you've man. completed fifth step, <laughs> then you're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character that you discovered, and then humbly ask him to remove your shortcomings. I'm going to tell you guys, man, six and seven, it's like you might as well have been speaking Chinese to me. Seriously. Like, I believe I'm it's like strange. My sponsor, I mean, he said, you're going to be on these steps for a long time, six and seven. He just left me there, you know, and um, character defects that, you know, to me, it's like bad things that I do. What I started to realize about six and seven was the things that I was still doing that I knew that weren't cool, that I was ready to give up. It took some time, though. You know, it's what I'm a saying? lifetime. <laughs> yes. In the beginning, I think when I was like around 90 days, I was still stealing. I was still going in malls and justifying it like, oh, these people got all this money. You know, we're crazy when we first start. Yeah. I go in the uh, grocery store and drink a milkshake and eat grapes and stuff. And one day I realized I'm like, you know what? That's stealing. You got to stop that. You know, nobody told me that. I just came to that realization. And then my defects is just part of my spirit things that I was doing that I knew wasn't cool. And the kicker was I was going to meetings, especially like men's meetings where men would just pull their skin off and get brutally honest. And it gave me the courage to like look deeper within myself and talk about these things, you know, in the open that I was doing, that I was wrong without justifying it. And it was such a freedom. It was so liberating. I love it. It's the way to a spiritual life that you can't buy. That is the clearest and most concise statements about six and seven that I have ever heard. Looking at myself and the things that I'm still doing that I don't like. Yeah. So then we have made a list of all persons we have harmed, step eight, and became willing to make amends to them all in step nine. We make those amends. Okay. So, so now, cause up until this point, you know, after six and seven, I kind of feel like I'm gliding like a hang glider, you know, I'm enjoying <laughs> sobriety and everything is cool. Then my sponsor says, okay, we're going to do your eighth step. He said, put a list of names. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I can do that. So I put, you know, people that was in my fourth, I made a list. And then he said, now write a sentence, what you did to him. Then I'm like, oh man. So it drudged back up 
those fourth step feelings. You know, it's like, I love this program and I love how the steps are in order. And, and when you get a good sponsor who just oh, knows when it's time to move you on. So when he said, write a, a sentence of what you did to each of these persons, it reminded me of how sick I was. So I wrote the, a list of people and what I did to them. So it humbled me. Sam, it's odd. I have no questions whatsoever. Don, I think I can help you there. Hey, folks, just a reminder that we need you to call 212-870-3418 to record questions for the old timers and also recovery related jokes. That's 212-870-3418. I had a spiritual experience. I mean, my obsession was lifted up out of me. I don't know if y'all want to hear that now or later, but Let's. I think you need to hear it now. In my 12th day of sobriety, while I'm living in this homeless shelter, they allowed us to have weekend passes. And uh, it's not like I had anywhere to go to, you know, to, nobody wanted me around. So I called up a friend who I used to go out and drink and do other things with, said, let's get some some booze and other things. And he complied. So he said, under one condition, I said, what? He said, we're going to go to church first. So this was New Year's Eve of 1995. So we go to this church down in, uh, in the Bronx. We were a block away from the candy store, if you know what I mean. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. we go in this church and it's five minutes to 12. And I was making so many meetings back then, you know, and I remember the pastor said, he said, this is what I heard. He said, now's the time for you to ask your higher power for something you really want. That's what I heard. And for the first time in my existence, I'm on my knees. My prayer to my higher power, which I choose to call God, was please take the taste out of my mouth to drink and drug. Soon as that prayer left me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, my obsession was gone. And it was such a release where tears just ran down my face. And I never had an urge to drink a drug after that. I only had one notion maybe two years after that. I thought of, oh, it would be nice to get something. But it like when, when the thought came into me, it was like pop-ups of people in the meeting. Just I seen all these faces of people in the meeting just popping my head. Like, boop, 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 boop. And I never had the urge again. I don't think I would still be here if I didn't have that experience. Yeah. So your relationship with a higher power is something that really happened to you. Yes, it's real. Yes. That's what I did with eight and nine is I had to take my higher power with me. Yes. How do you deal with the fear of making amends to people for things that I've seen? You know, some of them people that I need to get in touch with, I'm very ashamed. Some of them have very good reason to be angry at me. I'm going to tell you something. Where I lived, I was ran out of town. You know, people said, they see me tomorrow. I'm a dead man. That's how bad it was. So to, to go back there, Mm. like to deal with that fear, it's like, you can't have fear and faith in the same house. So I was sober up until about nine months. So I'm like, listen, I haven't picked up nothing. I'm taking the faith train. So I went back to that neighborhood. No, I did my brother first and I did another brother and they were like, oh, cool, fine. You know, there was no, no big deal to them. So I was like two for two. So I'm on the roll. So I went to my mother and my mother like put her hand up like a stop sign. She said, stop. And she said, you caused a lot of pain. I shrunk to about a half inch inside spiritually, you know, because I'm on this roll. I'm feeling all good. You know what I'm saying? And she was like, stop, you know, and I finished my men's, but 
it slowed me down. So that took a lot of wind out of myself. So I went outside on the porch. I'm like, wow, you know, like, wow, that's a bummer. So I'm on the porch. Guess who's coming up the street? The two drug dealers that I owe money to. So my first impulse is to jet back into the house. But something said, we don't run anymore. I stayed on that porch. They said, hey, you got our money? I said, you know what, guys, it's funny you're asking for money because I'm on my ninth step. (laughs) And all I have is 20 bucks. And so I gave them twenty dollars. I owed them much more than that. And they mm-hmm. said, "You lucky your mother's on that porch." It wasn't just my mom on that porch. God was standing right next to her. Yeah, it was awesome. And another amends I did. I had to do a graveside amends. I had a friend, and it's painful to talk about, but um, he was dying of cancer. A childhood friend, and we used to like drink and do things together like that. And um, he was dying of cancer, and he sent me to the store. I was deep into my progression. This was supposed before sobriety. And I, he sent me to the store with a hundred dollar bill. Why would you give a person like me a hundred dollar bill to go buy batteries? But this is, this was a dear friend. And um, I came back three days later with the batteries and $27 change. And I was like the lowest scum of the earth, you know, to my, our friends and stuff, but, you know, carrying around that guilt and shame and stuff and to be able to, to write a letter and do a gravesite amends to him. Oh my God, what a program. You know, I had wrote this letter and I went to the gravesite and I read it out loud, you know, and oh my God, yes. You know, and I had to do it with my dad too. My dad passed and when my dad died, you know, the excuse I made for not going to his funeral was that, oh, me and my father were too close. That was a crock of crap. You know what I'm saying? So when you come in this program and you start to get honest, you know, I had to write another letter and I went to his gravesite and, and I wrote the letter. And you're talking about freeing. You're talking about cleaning up your side of the street. Like you can't buy this. You got to put in some work. But when you put in the work, wow. Oh, my God. It's, it's just amazing. Freedom. Yes, freedom. I was going to say, what is your program like today? But I hear it. (laughs) Absolutely. Grayling, the passion that you have for what you have today is just attractive as it can be. So I have to ask one question. We're going to jump to the end of the steps, the 12th step carrying this message. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I I got. Okay, let me calm down. God has put some men. I have intimate relationships with men where they trust me, they share their souls with me, you know, and I love these men. I feel they're doing more for me than I'm doing for them. I'm so, they're just so honest and they put me on the pedestal and I give all praise and glory to God. And they, I do not get it twisted. It ain't about me. This ain't my power it just flows through me. You know, I don't pressure nobody. I'm not into the business of firing sponsors. That I have no way. I don't do that. They fire themselves. You know, you stop calling, you just don't have a sponsor. I don't, I have a guy he doesn't call and stuff, but he's a great guy and he's going through stuff, but he he's a good guy. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, when you don't call your sponsor, you're just being selfish because you might be helping your sponsor. So I love sponsoring. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, I'm going to be reaching out to you later about some sponsorship. Okay. (laughs) No problem. No problem. I'm switching sponsors right now. (laughs) Grayland, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute joy chatting with you. Thank Thank you. you for having me. 
been sober for 10 years now. Don't you think it's time you start dating again? Just give it a try. Well, okay. All right. So uh, what kind of person attracts you? Well, she has to be pretty. Must be. And uh, like me, a little wacky. And uh, she has to be strong and assertive. Hmm. I guess I'm looking for a woman who's stunning, baffling, and powerful. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.